Hey everyone, welcome to Hub City Church. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. If you want more information about Hub City Church, find us online at thehubcitychurch.com connect and fill out our digital connect card. Now let's dive into this week's message. The scripture reading for today, our rhythm series is based on the text from Acts and let's read it together. Acts 2, 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday to you. Good morning, good morning. It's good to be here. And uh, we are hitting the last third of this rhythm series and this idea of reshaping these rhythms that we live within uh, and develop. And so uh, these spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices, these habits, and, and some of us have our own habits and rhythms that we've created, and this summer is just challenging us to take, the, take a look at those. And some of them uh, need to be reshaped, trying new things. We're looking at all these diff- different rhythms in Acts 2 that, that we see within there of you know, studying scripture or gathering together in small groups or large groups or uh, prayer or the Lord's Supper and all of these different rhythms that we want to be practicing. These last uh, four weeks are just kind of hammering home this idea, let's reshape our rhythms, not just stay rooted in the ones that we have, but let's, let's reshape them. Let's grow as followers of Jesus, develop new rhythms, new practices, new habits. And this morning, we're going to talk about the idea of developing rhythms with music or worship, singing, and with a series title like Rhythms, it's about time we talk about music, right? So uh, the early church gathered together regularly, and they would sing songs. Jesus sang with the disciples. We see this in the Gospel of Matthew. It says that he gathered with them, and they sang a hymn together. Uh, In Acts 2, 46, it says they worshiped together at the temple each day, all the while praising God. Singing was a rhythm that they had. I was talking to one pastor, and people in their church were wondering, why do we sing? You ever wonder why we do that? We had people, uh, you know, we just kind of do it every Sunday. We sing songs. And this one pastor was telling me this story about how someone in their church came up after service and said, Pastor, why do we do karaoke each week? You put the words up there. We sing along. Why do we do this? And then they said, this is what I love. He's like, if you really want us to sing along, add the little red bouncing ball. That's some next level stuff, man. We will really stay with you because some of those songs we just don't know as well. Singing is this rhythm in the church, but not all of us feel like we can engage that rhythm. Today, I want to talk about the importance of all of us practicing this rhythm of singing on a regular basis. Whether or not you can carry rhythm and have a rhythm Right? We develop this practice, this habit, this flow of life where we are singing regularly. And whether or not you're musically talented, I am not musically talented. My musical ability is to play iTunes. Like, that is my musical talent. Uh, or I can sing karaoke, just not very well. And that's why I'm good at karaoke. 
right? But playing an instrument or singing, I, I'm the congregational worshiper that's like offbeat and throwing everybody off, right? Everybody's on the, they were talking about it this morning with the worship team. They're clapping on the two and the, I'm on the three. I don't know what that means. I don't even, like, that's how little rhythm I literally have. And yet I am not excluded from the practice of worshiping Jesus through song. And we're gonna see three reasons why worshiping together as a group is valuable. And so let's get ready. Because I believe Gloria Stefan was right. This rhythm is gonna get us. Come on, I really worked on that one. It's in there too, I printed it, I was ready. Oh, that was not shooting from the hip. I was, I was ready to launch that one. Some of you are like, who is Gloria Stefan? Get your Google on and you will find the rhythm is gonna get you. Thank you for one person laughing. My own wife didn't even laugh at that. Anyways, all right, worship is for all of us. Unlike my jokes, worship is for all of us, not just the musically talented. In the Psalms, we see an encouragement for all people to worship, right? Look at these two Psalm passages that, that talk about this. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you people of the earth. Psalm 117, verse one. It doesn't just say some people. It's all people, all nations. Psalm 96.1, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. All people, we're all called to do this. Whether or not you can clap on beat or sing on key, we are all called to sing. And some of us, this is gonna kind of rattle and reshape some of our rhythms because we've fallen into a place of comfort when it comes to singing, right? And what I mean by that is some of us have just excluded ourselves. We get our coffee during worship. I'm guilty of this, right? Oh, I'll just take a little bit more time greeting people at the front door, or I'll show up just a little bit late and blame my kids for getting us late to church, right? We found our way to kind of avoid this and not have to engage this in the same way, or we stand there and we watch the lyrics come up on screen, but we're not really engaged in those. Maybe it's a lack of talent, a lack of interest, you don't know the songs, you lack confidence, maybe you just don't like the song. Like, this isn't the way I like to sing these songs, or these aren't the songs that I can really engage with, or I don't know these songs. Maybe music's just not your thing. And for whatever reason, we have disengaged from this command that we see in the Psalms for all people to worship Jesus through song. And this series is not about ingraining us in our rhythms. This is about reshaping our rhythms. And you and I are not to exclude ourselves from missing out on this rhythm, this practice, this habit. And it reminds me of this moment on Palm Sunday where Jesus is entering into Jerusalem and the crowds are going crazy and they're singing songs, they're praising God, they're saying hallelujah, right? And it says in Luke 19, verse 37, all the followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. Right, this is Palm Sunday, classic moment. They're laying the palm branches down, all of those things, right before the, the Easter uh, moment that we celebrate every year. And that text, let's, yeah, there it is. It's up on the screen. Right, all the followers began to shout and, say it, sing. They were singing. And I would imagine if you've got a large group of people in a city singing, how many of them are on key and off key? How many of them can carry a beat and can't carry a beat? doesn't say, it just says all these followers began singing and walking along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. 
I don't know what song that is, but they're singing it, right? And this is what convicted me recently. Verse 39, but some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for they are saying things like that. For saying things like that. People are singing and praising Jesus and the religious leaders are like, shh, be quiet. And the conviction that I felt recently was not so much that a religious leader is telling me to be quiet, but that I've allowed a voice in my head to silence my praise. And maybe there's other people in the room that can relate to this. Maybe there's somebody watching at home that can relate to this. There is an insecurity, a fear, a doubt, um, whatever. Some voice in your head is telling you to be quiet. Stop singing. Music isn't really my form of worship. I worship God through these other ways. And we buy into these lies, and we allow those lies to dictate the way that we're going to praise Jesus. And look at Jesus' response. Verse 40, he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. The rest of creation is going to step up if I'm going to be silent. It is our responsibility to praise God and all of creation is meant to honor and worship the creator. And how dare I or how dare any of us hold back our praise of the one who is deserving of it because I'm comfortable or I'm insecure or I'm worried about what somebody's gonna hear me or think about me. And even if I don't feel like a, I'm a good singer, which I know I'm not, God is still worthy of my best. My best may not be the most on key compared to my wife, but God deserves my best effort, my best praise. How dare I let creation and the rocks cry out before I would cry out. Even in pre-service prayer this morning, I felt a conviction and, and just took a moment, and I didn't plan this, unlike my Gloria Stefan joke that didn't work, I had a moment while we were praying before service and I just repented to Jesus. I said, Jesus, whatever part I've played in minimizing the role of worship in our church, I'm sorry. If I've allowed my insecurity or my lack of musical talent to somehow inhibit our ability to praise Jesus together as a church or to not model that or lead that, to minimize that, I felt a conviction to say, I'm sorry, Jesus, because he is worthy of it. All of creation is to praise Jesus, and it is our part. And I thought about it. We have more of a motivation than the people standing on that road on Palm Sunday. The people on Palm Sunday were only worshiping what they had seen and heard in that moment during the incarnation of Christ there on earth. They hadn't seen him die and resurrect from the grave yet. Think about that. They're praising God for up until part of the story. They hadn't seen the full climax of the story. We're singing to a Jesus that has conquered death. Think about that. When we're singing in this room this morning, we are singing to a God that has conquered death and defeated sin and defeated the enemy and, and, and we are post-resurrection. Whoa, that's worthy of my praise. When I'm singing, I'm singing to a God that I understand truly does save me. As Psalm 96.2 says, sing to the Lord, praise his name each day, proclaim the good news that he saves. 
I'll say it again for the robotic voice that did not understand that. Thank you, Siri or Alexa. Jesus saves us from an eternity apart from God. He saves us from hell and welcomes us into an eternity in heaven with our heavenly father. That is a reason to praise. We have a greater context for these psalms than the people standing on the side of that road to proclaim the good news that he saves. Psalm 117.2, for his unfailing love for us is powerful. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Praise the Lord. I'm singing not just so that I can have something to do on a Sunday morning. I'm singing a declaration of his love for us, how much Jesus loves each and every one of us. And we respond to that love through a song, a love that met us when we were unlovable, when we're broken, when we're sinful, when we are apart from him, a love that changes us. That's what we're singing about. That's who we're singing to. Our worship is a response to his love for us. And so it just rattled my cage to think about all the times that I've held back and think, man, these people on the side of the road only had part of the picture, and we have a greater picture of who Jesus is and the ministry that he came to do and the mission he came to accomplish. I have all the more reason to declare and to sing and to praise him with everything that I have. This rhythm is for all of us. Whether you play an instrument or sing on key, whether you feel qualified or good enough or music isn't really your thing or whether the red dot is bouncing over those lyrics, we are going to praise God. And, and this praise or this rhythm is to be done what? Privately? Yes. We should do it on Monday. You're not all going to be gathered in this room on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or all the way through Saturday, but you know what? We can still praise God during the week in our own way. We can find songs or play songs and listen to them and sing. But today I want to zero in on, on that part of us gathering together on a Sunday morning, why we would do that in a, in a gathered session, a gathered time. Three reasons why singing together is valuable, all right? So three reasons why I think singing together is valuable, why it's important to have this compilation of voices gathered together singing as one. The first one is singing together roots our faith. As we sing together, our faith is developing roots. Roots are a sign of a tree that has health, stability, strength. There's a richness to it, right? Those roots go deep into the earth and they bring a stability to that tree. We wanna take root in our faith and grow in our faith and have a depth and a health and a stability to our faith. We want our, our faith to take roots, right? Well, singing plays a part in our faith developing roots, much like a tree. In Colossians 3.16, the apostle Paul describes to the early church how singing is a part of their rhythm of being together and that singing in a community is a part of what we do when we gather. Colossians 3.16, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives, right? Develop those roots. Let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God and with thankful hearts. And so Paul is writing this idea and saying we, we should be people who grow in our faith. We develop a richness and a health and a roots system to our faith in Christ, right? We don't want shallow faith. We don't want a faith that's gonna be you know, blown over really quickly in the, at the first sign of trouble or the first storm that we hit. We want something with depth to it. And he combines all of these elements of teaching and counseling 
And some of us are like, yeah, I like teaching. I like listening to teaching. I like having conversations with the people and counseling one another. But he infuses that with this practice of teach, counsel, and then sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. This is allowing the richness of the gospel to take root in our lives. The message sinks deep into our hearts and our minds through singing. This is something we don't know, always would think about within uh, our theological studies and, and, and concepts of growing as a disciple, but we know that music and tempo improves our memory, right? I can name all 50 states because there's a song about it, right? The 50, nifty, united states, and I can say it in alphabetical order. How many of you can do that without singing that song, right? Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado. Yeah, Connecticut, there it is, see? Right? Now, if you would just ask me to write it down, I'd have struggled. But I, I would have that tempo running through my head. Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Connecticut. If you just asked me out of alphabetical order, I would really struggle. <laughs> right? Music and tempo adds to our memory. Think about when you were a kid learning how to spell one of the hardest states in the country. And I know we all, Mississippi, right? How many of you spell Mississippi? M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, right? You don't go M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P. It's hurting some of your brains at the pace that I'm going, right? Because you've learned it, you've learned to spell it with that rhythm. You cannot spell Mississippi without M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, right? That is the rhythm in which you learned to spell something really long. Well, what singing does is singing allows those promises of Jesus to sink deep into our hearts. These aren't just lyrics that sound nice on the surface. These aren't just cool guitar riffs and cool piano strokes. What we're talking about when Paul writes this is taking the truth of who Jesus is and we begin to sing it and in doing so, we are saturating our lives deep within these truths that is so valuable to our development as disciples and growing as disciples. It helps us remember these truths. And that's why when I was at a retreat recently, a pastor just encouraged this group of pastors we were with. He just said, you need to be aware of the lyrics to the songs that your, your church is singing. And I don't want us to become overcritical and analytical of every song that we sing and, you know, get an email of like, Sean, this one didn't really glorify Jesus, blah, 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 and what's the theology behind? But there is something to be said about being aware of who's being honored through the song that we're singing. Sometimes our worship songs, not just here at Hub City, but just in, in Christian music, it sounds like the humans are the heroes to the story. We're praising ourselves declaring how awesome we are. Worship is about declaring how awesome Jesus is. And there was this encouragement from this pastor to just say, be aware of what you're singing and who you're singing about. We are singing about the goodness of God and the truth of God and the promises of God and, and, and honor and praising Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be singing about. Who's being praised? Who's being honored? What truth are we soaking in? And then he told this story, and it just, man, it, it just uh, it illustrated this idea of these truths just saturating our lives. He told this story of this gal in their church whose husband unexpectedly and tragically had passed away. And they go to do a home visit as the pastor, 
They show up at the person's home. And in those moments, as pastors, you know, do we read scripture? Do we ask questions? Do we just listen to them talk? There's lots of things that we can do. And as they were talking with the lady, um, she just said, Pastor, I, I, I'm trying to figure out why God would allow this to happen, why my husband would pass away unexpectedly, and how to process all of this. Uh, but what keeps coming to mind is this song that we sing about the goodness of God and how the goodness of God runs after me, right? And I'm going to butcher it if I try to sing it, right? How's that song go, April? Help me, Lifeline. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running, it's running after me. I, that's all I know. Oh, put you on the spot, right? But she, that's all she could get out. And then the pastor knew exactly the song that we sing. And we sing it here at, at Hub City. So uh, I thought some of us would just like start singing it. And you, you left me up here all alone. Uh, just butchering one lyric of a song over and over again. But, but she, she said, Pastor, that's the song that keeps coming to mind right now. And that truth that even in this dark, tragic moment, the goodness of God is chasing after me. And they just sang together in her home, in her living room. Because those lyrics were comforting and shaping her in the most tragic of moments. And it, it inspired me to think about the songs that we sing on Sunday morning. That singing allows our faith to take roots for the unexpected moments that you have no idea are coming this week. And at, the, at a moment's notice, the song that you sang on Sunday might be the very thing the Holy Spirit uses to remind you of his truth, of his goodness, of his promises. And it meets you right where you're at. Singing together serves that purpose of helping our faith take roots. Singing together reinforces our unity. Music rallies people together. This is the second idea, the second value that I see in singing together, right? One is that it, it helps our faith take roots. The other is that it re reinforces a, a unity. Music rallies people together when we sing along. You go to a karaoke session and you start singing a song like Sweet Caroline and all these people start singing it, right? When they sing a song that nobody knows, some, you know, pop star song that just came out and the whole bar just goes quiet or the whole restaurant, the restaurant goes quiet, right? And they just eat their jalapeno poppers because they're like, I don't know this random song, right? But when you sing a song that everybody knows, everybody chimes in. There's a Mariners player who recently picked his walk-up song would be Country Road. And the very reason he picked it is so that 40,000 people would sing it together and rally the audience or rally the crowd together, right? And now they're all going to bail me out here. Country Road, right? John Denver, help me, help me. Take me home to the place. Mix me well, Kevin. To the country road. Yeah, Roger's like, stop, we get it. Take me home, mountain mama. Da, 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 da. I told you, I am not a musical person. But, <laughs> but, a song like that could get people rallied together. Taylor Swift had a concert at, at the Seahawks Stadium and it caused an earthquake, literally. Why? Because music rallies people together, right? 
Romans 15, verses 5 through 6, the Apostle Paul writes about the unity that can happen when we sing together. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God. God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we sing together, it is symbolic of the unity that we have as a church family. Despite our differences, despite our momentary conflicts and how we step on each other's toes, despite where we come from or our talents and abilities, right? It is a sign or it is a moment where in one voice we come together, united. Is there anything else that we do on Sunday where you speak together in unison? No. There's nothing that we, where we talk in unison together the truth of Jesus, right? Because in our practices, we, just, we don't sing or we don't recite the scripture all as one and, and repeat after me in that way uh, in the reading of the scripture. So singing is the one thing that we do in unison. We're singing a song. We're singing the promises of Jesus. We're in one heart, in one mouth, singing. We're unified. There's nothing else that we do in that kind of unity. We don't drink coffee in that kind of unity. We don't listen to the sermon in that kind of unity. We don't, or there's nothing else that we do. But together as one voice, we are declaring the goodness of God. And together as one voice, we are praising Jesus for the salvation that he brings and the freedom that it brings and the love that he shows us. As one voice, we are united together. Singing reinforces that unity. You are a part of something bigger than yourself. You may not be the best singer, but you know what? You are a part of something. Whereas one voice, one heart, one vision, one mission, we are together. Something valuable to that. Singing together reinforces our unity. The third thing that I think singing does, singing together does, singing together reminds us of eternity. Heaven is often associated with singing. Think about Jesus' announcement when he was born. The angel showed up, and they sang. Oh, right? They showed up. You can all picture it at Christmas, and, and, and the angels show up, and they sing. Numerous moments in heaven or glimpses of heaven that we get throughout Scripture, there's people singing. John wrote in the book of Revelation, the apostle John wrote about this vision he had of eternity in which a group of people, a vast crowd, are singing about the victory of God for all of eternity, right? Revelation 19.1, after this, this is what John wrote uh, about the vision he saw. After this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, praise the Lord. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. A vast crowd. I say that singing together gives us a, a, a glimpse or it reminds us of eternity because there is an aspect to eternity in which God's people will be praising him through song together. We will spend eternity in paradise praising our God together in one voice. And when we sing together here on a Sunday morning in one voice, we get a taste of heaven. We get a little Costco sample 
right? I just love this analogy, like, because I think, like, that's what God gives us is this little Costco sample. You taste a pot sticker at Costco, and you're like, I want the whole bag. I want to experience more of that, right? You taste something good, and you're like, I want more of that later. Well, we get a taste of heaven, a bite-sized portion of heaven on a Sunday morning when we sing together because we get a taste of what eternity is going to be like, singing together in unity, united in all of our differences. We rally around our Savior together in song, and it's beautiful, and it's harmonious. It was with um, a bunch of pastors at, a, at our annual Foursquare conference. Our Foursquare denomination has an annual conference, and we were all together in one room, and, and you're talking like 3,000 people all together, and in that moment singing, and you've seen my musical abilities. I didn't care. I just closed my eyes and sang, and you could just hear the unity of the voice all as one, and I got a taste of heaven. I got a little emotional thinking like, this is what heaven's going to be like. Together with my family from all over the world, singing to Jesus. And I didn't care about what I sounded like or what I looked like because our focus was on Christ instead of ourselves. And that's what heaven is going to be. You're not gonna care about the things that you care about because it's all about Jesus. And on Sunday mornings, we get a glimpse, we get a taste, we get a bite-sized portion of what eternity can be like. Singing together is important because it keeps our eyes on eternity. We talk about heaven and we talk about eternity. Eternity motivates the mission of our church. Eternity helps us endure through tough seasons. Eternity gives us hope. And so when we sing together, we get our eyes on eternity. We get an eternal focus into this moment that we're in. And that is not a moment to be squandered. That is not a moment for a coffee refill. That is not a moment to run to the restroom. That is a moment to say, Jesus, I want to put my eyes on you and eyes on eternity in this season, in this moment, in this time. This morning, as we talk about the rhythms of music and singing I really felt it important not to talk about styles of worship. It's not about big bands, it's not about acapella, it's not about how many instruments we have on the, on the stage or whether or not we sing to a recording. You can sing to a recording at home or play an instrument at home. You can sing to a recording in church. There might be a Sunday where we do that. We did that a couple of months ago. It's not about the how we worship. There's a lot of freedom in the how. The focus today is on why. Why do we do this? Because it will root our faith, reinforce our unity, and remind us of heaven. And that can happen privately, but that also happens when we're together. And I mentioned it earlier, my heart is that we be people of praise. And whatever part I've done to minimize or diminish that, I'm sorry, and I want us to be people who praise Jesus with everything that we can, our best effort. Not with excellence in the sense of the, the surface level measurements of excellence, but in giving him our best, meaning our best effort, our best focus, 
our best worship because he's worthy of it. Because he's worthy of it. So I would encourage you the next time we sing, which is in about 45 seconds, when I welcome the band up. Band, you can start coming up. To give Jesus your best in this next moment. This week, take time to worship Jesus when you're alone. Next Sunday, when you're Sabbathing, find time to worship Jesus. Play an instrument. Play some songs on your, on your phone. But it's about Jesus being worshiped with our best because he's worthy of it. He deserves it. And if I don't do it, the rocks are gonna do it. Right? That's what Jesus said. If I'm quiet, then I'm leaving it up to the mountains to cry out. So let's be people who worship Jesus. Church, would you just stand with me? We're gonna worship Jesus through this final few moments together. I'm gonna pray for us. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you want to take your next step in following Jesus, fill out the digital connect card at thehubcitychurch.com connect. We'd love to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life.